So this morning, we, uh, we're talking about PFN Open Doors. Uh, you know, our mission statement for us, uh, the beginning part of it, it has uh, multiple layers to it, but the beginning of our mission statement says this. PFN is an open door to know Jesus, value others, and find purpose. So we describe ourselves as an open door. Don't you like that? Uh, an open door says, welcome. Uh, we are, we're glad that you're here, whether you are here for the first time or you've uh, been here a lot of your life. Uh, it says uh, value. It, it reminds us of, uh, that we are seen and that we are known and that we are loved. And uh, that's how we want church to be. So whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, thank you for not only walking in a physical door, but coming in uh, an open door. You know, doors are metaphors. Uh, they are metaphors for a lot of important things uh, in, in your life. And sometimes God opens doors, right? Sometimes God opens doors, and sometimes God shuts doors in our life. Doors have a great spiritual significance. Now, what I want to begin by first pointing out is that uh, you have a lot of doors all the time in your life. Then maybe you don't even think about it. How many doors that you walk through and use every single day? If I was to ask you to make a list of the doors, you can start counting them up in your head, can't you? How many doors that you have in your home? You probably have a front door, a back door, maybe a sliding door, a garage door a basement door, a shower door, a bathroom door. Those are always helpful. Uh, a a bed, bedroom door, a closet. Lots of doors that we have in our life, right? We have lots of doors. So doors can also have uh, spiritual significance in our life. Not those, not those uh, physical doors, but a door can be an entrance. It can be an exit. It can be a bridge to something great, or it can be a barrier. A door can say, welcome, and a door can say, you're not welcome. It can represent acceptance. It can represent rejection. Like, I just can't get past that door. It can keep things separate. Doors keep critters out of your house. Doors keep the warm or the cool air in. A door can protect you. A door can provide access. There's so many different implications of how doors are used in your life. But there are also many, many implications of how they are used spiritually in all of our lives. You know, in the Bible, a door can represent an entranceway into salvation. A door can open a passageway toward being discipled or a service door of ministry, or an outside door into a calling or a mission in your life. It could be an access door of prayer, or a holy door of worship, or the door to fellowship with others. There are a lot of implications for doors in your life. You know, the Bible itself is called a door. It, it's like a full-length mirror door of God's Word. I was visiting my daughter and husband not too long ago, and there's this huge mirror door 
uh, in their bedroom. I hadn't been in their bedroom for a long time, and I didn't even realize it was there. And he says to her, why did we decide to put this in there? Whose idea was it? Because it's a massive door that is a full-length mirror. You know, that's kind of how the Bible is. The Bible is like this full-length mirror. When you read the, the book of God, it's not just telling you about God. It's a mirror about yourself as well, right? So as, as we think about this idea of open doors, uh, there at the top of your outline, uh, there's a verse, Revelation 3, 7, and 8. Now, if you're not used to picking up the outline, I encourage you to do that. I was at a retreat a couple of weeks ago, and I was... Uh, sitting there listening to this message. I was on the edge of my seat, and he was preaching so well, and it was awesome, and he was talking about all these scriptures, and I began to think, where's my notes? Like, I, I, I wanted, I mean, I was writing uh, as quick as I could, but it would have helped me so much if he had just given me those notes uh, with all those scriptures there. So I encourage you, if you're online, uh, get those notes. Uh, many times they'll put a, uh, they'll put a link there. You can just click on it, and it'll take you to the notes. Or if you go to our website, uh, you can see it right there. God is speaking to us, and we need to be listening and on the edge of our seat about what he wants to say. So hear it. Receive it. Because if you don't, you'll forget it pretty quickly. The scripture we're going to look at today can be life-changing. So we have a chance to look at it, to apply it, to uh, take notes about it. To, to, so find those notes. So the verse that we begin with is Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 8. Now the background of this verse is this. It's in the last book of the Bible. And that book is called the book of, book of Revelation. It's not Revelations with an S on it. It's not plural. It's the book of Revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, early in the book of Revelation... Uh, all begins by giving messages to seven actual churches that were in existence at that time. And one of them was the church at Philadelphia. So 2,000 years before there was a Philadelphia America, there was a Philadelphia that was now in what is modern-day Turkey. Philadelphia, the word in Greek uh, that the New Testament would have been written in, means city of, anybody want to guess? Brotherly love, exactly. The word phileo, which is the beginning of Philadelphia, means brotherly love. And Delphia is the city of. So the city of brotherly love. So Jesus has this message to the church in the city of Philadelphia. Here's what he says. Uh, you can see it on your outline, see it on the screen. Jesus says, I hold the key of David in my hand. And you might say right away, well, what, what is that? See, he's going to mention doors, and doors often have a key, and Jesus is the key to open doors. He is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the King, and you need this key to unlock a lot of things, to open doors in your life. So he says, I hold the key of David in my hand. The doors I unlock and open, no one else can close. And any doors that I shut and lock, no one will ever be able to open. Now I know, Jesus says to the church, now I know everything you have done. So look, I am placing before you an open door that no one can shut. And he says, now I know that you're not very strong. He's really honest with them, but you've kept my word and you've been faithful to me. 
Revelation 3, 7, and 8. Uh, don't, don't you think that's an interesting uh, verse? He, he's saying, I know that you're not perfect. You know, don't you feel like the devil sometimes says, well, you, you're not going to get all the blessings that you need from God unless you get this all figured out. You know, he says, I know that, that you're not strong. I know that you have weaknesses. I know that you have needs in your life, but you've been faithful to me. You've been faithful to me. You're seeking me. You're continuing to seek me. That's, aren't, aren't you glad you came to church today? You're seeking him. You have a hunger for the things of God. What, what you call this is a door of opportunity. And he's saying, okay, I know you don't have it all together. I know that maybe you don't feel as strong spiritually, but at least you stayed with me and you're here and you're still showing up and you haven't denied me. So I'm going to open an incredible door of opportunity for you. Uh, he's saying, I'm going to give you the opportunity of your lifetime, an opening of a door of opportunity. So Jesus is saying, I know you well. I'm fully aware of who you are. I know what you're dealing with. And here's the door that I've opened to you. Here's an open door. Aren't you glad that he knows what's going on and we're not pretending we're being open and vulnerable with him and allowing him to open doors? So what he just said is what has happened many, many times in our life where God has opened doors for me in my own way that I would have never been able to open on my own. And I find myself, don't you, in situations where you just realize that I'm in this place because God opened the door. I'm here because of an open door that God has given to me. And I never could have opened that door on, on my own. But God opened the door for me. God has done this over and over. He, did, he does it in our church over and over again. Um, so the question is, what do I need to know about doors in my life? So here we go. Uh, it's in your notes. Number one. Uh, first thing to learn is that every door is a decision. Every door is a decision. Would you say that? Every door is a decision. So in the Bible, a door is a metaphor for the choices that we make every day. Every day we make choices. You have choices. And so I ask myself, am I going to walk through that door or not? You learn pretty early, right, that in life there are some doors you shouldn't walk through. There are some doors that you can't walk through. There are some doors that are not worth walking through. But every time you see a door, you see the opportunity to make a decision. Will I go through that or will I not? So number one, every door is a decision. Number two, my future will be shaped by which doors I walk past and which doors I walk through. My future is determined by which doors I walk past and which ones I walk through. So you have choices. You have decisions. Every door is a decision, and it will be, uh, your life will be determined by which doors you walk through and which ones you walk past. Now, the problem is, the tough part is knowing the right door, because every time you walk through a door, there's a cost, right? Cost of time, cost of money, cost of direction. I mean, there's a cost in relationships. Uh, how about I just be really clear about that kind of confession time? I mean, how many times have you ever walked through a door that you thought was the right door and you realized pretty soon it was the wrong door? And you, have you noticed that when you walk through the wrong door, it's not easy to get back on the path? 
It's not like you can just walk through the door and go, whoops, I'm going to run right back out. It just doesn't work like that, does it? Yeah, it's hard to get back on the path. There's some doors that you walk through that it can take time, even years, to get back on track. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Am I, am, are you with me in this conversation today? You don't, you, don't, you don't want to make the bad use of your time or your money or your effort or your energy and all those things, but you want to make wise decisions up front. And so what do we need to know? To choose the right doors and not the wrong doors. You know, you have to have what the Bible calls discernment. One of the goals is to learn how to have discernment, right? The more discerning you are, the more wise you'll be, and the better decisions that you'll be able to make uh, in your life. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, God says, today I'm giving you a choice. You can choose life and success, or you can choose death and disaster. And here's the problem. Sometimes you can't see what's behind the door. Anybody remember Monty Hall? Let's make a deal. Door number one, door number two, or door number three. There might be a car behind one of the doors or a dishwasher or a zonk, but you don't know what's behind the door. We want to make sure that we choose the right door so I'm not wasting my life, wasting time, money, and energy, and the effort uh, in, in, in my life if, as it goes forward. So how do I make those decisions? Discernment. One of the ways uh, discernment is especially important is in our relationships. You know, some of you, I love you, but some of you, uh, you're consistently making the wrong decisions about relationships. You notice how that happens to some of us? I mean, I don't think any less of you, but the fact is sometimes our chooser is broken. Our chooser gets broken. Uh, so what's the problem here? People will ask me, Pastor, why am I having all these problems? What's the problem in my... And you know, many times I just want to say, well, what's the common denominator in all of this? And usually the common denominator is me or you. We're the ones. has something to do with what's going on in, inside of us. So, uh, I mean, I love you, but sometimes we need, to, we need help with a broken chooser. You know, that's why we have a church. That's why we have a pastor. We have staff that's here to help us, some good men and women in our life who can help us to get our choosing right, uh, to help us get discernment. And that's so important to learn, isn't it? Because your future will be determined by your decisions, and your decisions are determined by what doors you go through. Are, are, are you with me? Number three, a door may be different things. First, a door may be an opportunity from God. Would you say that? An opportunity from God. Now, these are good doors, right? You want to go through them. When God gives us an opportunity, he's saying, I'm going to give you a wide open door. He's going to open up doors and he's going to blow your mind. If you walk through them in the right way at the right time and you do the right things, it's going to be amazing in your life. I'll just give you a, a, an, ex, an example. A good example is uh, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Paul says, a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. So he says this door of opportunity has come about. And then the next part of that, I don't even think I printed it for you, but it says a huge door of opportunity has opened up there and there is much opposition. Do you know that opportunity plus opposition many times equals God's will? 
When God opens a door for you, a lot of times we think, well, if God opens the door, this is going to be easy. This is going to work out really well. I never see that happen. Like it's always like there's like the the doors that God opens are not problem free. Like it's an open door, but he wants me to grow in my character. And I say, well, wait a minute. I thought this was a door from God that you wanted me to go through. Well, it is, but there are problems. God's will means that you have to solve those problems. There's an opportunity, but he's wanting me to grow. There's, do you know if it's something that God wants, there's always opposition because the devil does not want you to do it. The devil wants you to make another bad decision, another bad choice. But an opportunity from God is an opportunity where you know in your heart this is the right thing. This is an opportunity from God. This is the door he has opened for me. You know, a door that's going to have to build my character, that's going to stretch my faith, that's going to expect my faith to grow stronger. You know, God's always like that, right? He's, he's using whatever blessings and opportunities he's bringing into your life to grow you as a believer, to grow in your faith, to grow in an understanding of what he wants to do in your life. So it could be an opportunity from God. Or it may be, number two, a distraction from others. A distraction from others. You know, we all know what, what that looks like, right? It looks like a good opportunity, but it actually ends up being a distraction. Keeps you from actually doing what God wants you to do. <coughs> Excuse me. And when you walk through that door, it ends up being a dead end, or it ends up getting you off track, and that's why we need discernment, because not every opportunity, I mean, not every door is an opportunity from God. Some of them are distractions from other, other people. You know how they say, God has a wonderful plan for your life, but so does everybody else. People have a plan for you, how they want you to live, what they want you to do. There are all kinds of opportunities that sound good on how you should use your time, your money, your energy, but they may not all be good. They might just be distractions. So when you see an open door, that doesn't mean automatically that's God's will. It doesn't mean that it's what I'm called to do in my life. It doesn't mean that it's my purpose or it's my dream. It's just an open door. And you have to be able to discern from God, is this from him or a distraction from other people? I'll give you an example in the Old Testament. There's this story in the Old Testament of this guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah, uh, the Jews were taken captive as a people and they were moved into captivity in Babylon. And then Babylon got overthrown by the Persians. So in this situation, Nehemiah is rising to the top in leadership in, in this Persian empire. He's like the chief servant of the king, Artaxerxes. And Nehemiah is sad. And the reason Nehemiah is sad is because he's looking at his hometown, which is Jerusalem. He's not living in Jerusalem anymore. He's living in Persia, which is in modern-day Iran. But he's seeing that his hometown has been devastated, decimated, and destroyed. And all the walls around Jerusalem, his hometown, have been torn down, which means that people are vulnerable to thieves and bandits and terrorists, and there's no protection so this makes Nehemiah really down and discouraged. So he decides to start praying about it. 
He starts praying for God to open a door for him to do something about this thing that is a burden on his heart. And he sees that there's difficulties happening around him. We'll just stop there for just a second. You know, that's how God speaks to us sometimes, is things that are burdening to our heart. What, what, what's causing me to struggle, to things that I see around me? What am I supposed to do about that? So Nehemiah is praying that God would open a door for him to do something about it. And he's praying. And he says, God, I want to be able to build a wall around Jerusalem, rebuild the wall, so that the people in my hometown, my friends, my families are protected. So he's thinking through the plan, and he fasts about it, he prays about it, and he's waiting. One day, the king, his king, comes in and sees Nehemiah, and he says, Nehemiah, you're looking kind of down. You're looking sort of discouraged. You're a little gloomy. Are you depressed? What's going on? And Nehemiah says, I'm sad. King says, what are you sad about? He says, my hometown lies in ruins and people are unprotected and they're being tortured and they're being threatened and people are taking advantage of them and it's just a dev devastated uh, city. And so the king, you know, he's, he's pretty busy, I'm sure. He could have just blown it off and done nothing. But he says, what would you like me to do for you? Boom! Big old wide open door, right? This pagan king, who's the leader of the biggest empire of, at that time, all of a sudden says, what would you like me to do for you? It's an enormous open door. And I want to show you that Nehemiah was all ready for it. He was ready for it. Well, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to let me go back there. Let me rebuild the city. I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And the king says, well, how long do you think it's going to take? Nehemiah gives him an answer. How much money is it going to take? Nehemiah gives him an answer. Nehemiah has it all thought out. Now, this is really an important point to understand. Sometimes when you're waiting on God to open a door, like a door in your life, a door to a job, a door in a relationship, something like that, what do you do while you're waiting on God to open the door? You get ready. You get ready. You know, you know exactly what to say. Like if tomorrow... Somebody walked up to you out of the blue and said, God is leading me to help you. What, what do you want to do in your life and how can I help you out? Would you have an answer for them? Would you have a plan in your mind, in your heart? Uh, here's what I'd like to do in my life for these, this next period of time or however long. Uh, you know, while you're waiting on God, you don't just sit around and be lazy sitting on the couch eating cheeses. He'll pick the right time. That's what happened uh, to Nehemiah. Uh, when, the, when the moment rose, when the king said, what would you like for me to do to help you? He had an answer. He didn't sweat it out. He knew exactly what to do. So the king says, great, let's do it. You have my permission to go, and here's what you can take with you in terms of resources. So would you be willing? Would you be ready to do that? You know, you know, it seems like if I'm just waiting around on God, is, am, am I just waiting for him? And then am I going to be ready to respond in that moment? While you're waiting, God is working. That's a good one. While you're waiting, God is working. So I'm planning. I'm preparing. I'm doing the things that God is putting on my heart. See, the king lets Nehemiah go back to his home in Israel, back to his hometown in Jerusalem, and he starts rebuilding the wall. But not everybody wanted the wall, the wall to be rebuilt. 
there were people that were thieves and bandits and other nations and terrorists, and they didn't want the wall, wall rebuilt. So what do they do? They do everything they can to discourage the guy from doing what God wants him to do. Hello. They start off by attacking him, criticizing him. They, uh, they move from criticism to ridicule. They start making fun of him, but that doesn't slow him down. Then they try to put some barriers in the way, and at one point they threaten, they intimidate him. They even said, we're going to kill you, but none of it works. He just said, God opened the door. He just keeps on keeping on. He's totally focused. Some tried to distract him. So here's what Nehemiah says, Nehemiah 6.3. He says, so I sent messengers to them, that's the, the critics, with this reply, I'm doing an important work right now. Why should I stop? Why should I, the work stop while I come down to see you? See, sometimes you need to say to other people, I, I know you don't want this, but this is what God led me to do. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. You see, a door can be an opportunity from God, but it can also be a distraction. And it can cause you to miss the real doors that God has in your life by walking through doors that other people open up for you. That you went through that one instead of the one that God had for you. So it might be an opportunity. It might be a distraction. Number three, a door can also be a trap from Satan. Right? There, I just want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there are trap doors in this world. And many of us have fallen in them. Matthew 16, 23, Jesus says, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're looking at things merely from a human viewpoint, not from God's. You see, any time that you start looking at your life from a human viewpoint instead of from God's, that is a trap. You start looking at things from your own perspective rather than God, that's a trap. So you've got to know, is it an opportunity from God? Is it a distraction from others? Or is it a trap from Satan? So every, every, every door is a decision. Which ones am I going to walk through? Which ones am I going to walk past? Uh, they can be a variety of different things. Then number four. Number, now this is real important. I learned that God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. This is such an important lesson uh, that we have to learn. God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. It's like the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. God wants you to learn to be a giver. He wants us to be generous. The Bible says in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25, totally love this verse. Anyone who generously blesses others will be generously blessed. And when you refresh others, you'll be refreshed yourself. What a promise that is. What a promise from God that as I open doors for others, as I refresh others, as I encourage others, as I give to others, God opens doors for me. Did you know that there are more promises in the Bible about generosity than any other subject? Now, I'm not just talking about money or, or tithing. I'm talking about being generous all the time. Generous with people, generous with your money, generous with your time, generous with praise. You know, I meet people sometimes that just do not have it in them to give words of praise to others. It's like you're hoarding it, that if you give it away, you won't be able to get any back. God wants you to be lavish with your praise, lavish with encouragement. You know, he, the Bible teaches us about uh, hospitality. 
It's one of the key values of being a follower of Jesus. Christians are known for their hospitality and generosity to others. It means that we open doors to other people. It means that we're generous with other people. So why does God make generosity such a big deal? I mean, like, there's, there's more promises from God that, will, that he will bless you if you bless others than any other subject in the Bible. Why is that? Because God is a generous God. God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. God gives as an evidence of love. Everything we have in our life is due to the generosity of God. The air that you're breathing right now, the nose that you're breathing with, the lungs that the air goes into, the beautiful clouds outside, the trees, the sun, the stars, everything that you are, everything that you have, you don't deserve it. It's a gift from God's generosity. Praise his name. See, you and I are made in the image of God. So God wants us to learn to grow up and to be like Him. God wants you to be a generous man. God wants you to be a generous woman. He wants people to look at you and say, Man, she's so generous. He's so generous. He's so full of hospitality and generosity. You know, they... That church, they know how to make people feel welcome. They are an open door. You know, promise after promise after promise, God says if you open doors for other people, God will open a door for you. Because God is looking for people to bless, right? That's the kind of girl that I can bless. That's the kind of guy that I can bless. And he's going to do that in your life. He's looking for it. So let's bring this message home. Let me give you uh, two practical steps to take, and then we'll apply this to uh, PFM. So what are you going to need to develop vision for the next stage of your life, for the next things that God has in mind for you? You need three things. Uh, they're, on the, they're on the notes. I hope that you'll write them down. Uh, this is what you're going to need, three things that we need to learn. Number one. Number one, you need to learn discernment. That's an important concept in the Bible. I've been talking about it through the message. Learn discernment so you know which doors to walk through and which doors to avoid. Discernment. Discernment is knowing which door to walk through and which one to stay away from. Which one to walk past. Which one to avoid the waste of time and money and energy. And my prayer for you as your pastor is the same prayer that Paul prayed in Philippians 1, 9, and 10. This is my prayer for you. That your love will keep growing more and more. I love that. God wants you to grow more and more in love because God is love. And then notice, with knowledge and greater discernment. Circle that. Circle that greater discernment. God says, I want you to grow in love. I want you to be more loving, say, a year from now than you are today. I want you to be loving with knowledge, and I want you to be loving with discernment so that you know. So that, You see the rest of the verse? So that you will be able to make the right choices. Notice what helps you make the right choices. Love, knowledge, discernment. So how, how do you get discernment? Say, Pastor, you're talking about that today. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you two ideas. Number one is practice, and the second is prayer. Practice and prayer. It's not in your outline. You have to write it on there. I ran out of space. 
practice doing the right thing. Don't just take doing the right thing for granted. Notice when you're honest. Notice how God helps you to be filled with grace and mercy in a situation where maybe before you weren't. Notice when you're forgiving. Notice when you, with God's help, make the right, this right choice. See, discernment is a learned skill. Come on. It's easy to say, well, you know, they just kind of get that naturally. Come on. It's baloney. Discernment is a learned skill. Now, here's what I noticed about people is that many times when we do something bad, when we don't do something well, man, we're so hard on us. It's like terrible. Wow, could I do that? Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Sure you do. You look like you're so saintly today, but I know you're just like that. But you know, when you do something right, you almost take it for granted. You know how that is? You don't, you, you know, you don't even think, but you should practice honesty. You should practice making good choices because the practice of making good choices helps you to get better at it because discernment is a skill. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, raising the banner, hey, I told the truth today. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in your heart, you let the Spirit of God remind you, this, was, this, this is how you want me to live. It's a learned skill that you can grow in as we practice it. I heard this quote from a guy named John Dewey. The quote was, we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on experience. Ooh, I like that. So I'm not only just thinking about my failures and why that didn't go well, I'm also noticing that God is helping me to do the right things better than prayer. Pray. Don't just do whatever you want to do. Don't just make a decision without thinking about it. Take time to pray. Pray about your motives. Pray about the why. Am I being pushed into this by others or am I being led by God? So here's a little helpful prayer. It's just a little prayer I wrote. For myself, I've been using it for a few weeks. It goes like this. You know, you can pray with your eyes open. So here it is. I confess, Lord, that I live where it's easy to be distracted. And my insides often shake with constant activity. I can often grow accustomed to ignoring the low-grade anxiety. Thinking that's just part of an active, busy life. That might be common and typical for many, but let not that be normal for me. Instead of trying to figure out how to calm the chaos and the hustle going on around me, I rejoice with confidence that I don't have to figure out my way back to the light and easy way of Jesus. Because you already have made your way to me. I have your spirit living in me, and that gives me hope in all my decisions. I know you invite me in each moment to simply do the right thing in love. Man, that's been helpful. Learning discernment. Practice it. Pray. The second, second thing is that you're going to need to learn um, for God to open doors in your life is you're going to need to learn courage. You're going to need to learn courage. Second thing there is learn the courage to walk through the right doors because you, you may know the right thing to do, but you might still be scared about it. So you don't know exactly what it's going to take 
there what's going to take to take the next step. It's not enough just to know that there's a door there. You have to have the courage to walk through it when God leads you to it. Amen? And you know, courage, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the right thing even though you're afraid. Courage, like if you're not afraid, it doesn't take any courage, right? Courage is when you do the right thing even when you're scared to death of doing it. It takes courage to ask forgiveness from somebody. It takes courage to offer forgiveness to someone. It takes courage to reconcile with others. And it takes courage to take a new step of faith. Even when you're scared, you do it anyway. So this is something you have to learn. Sometimes God shows me amazing, uh, just amazing, life-changing scriptures. Um, as I was working on this message, uh, I ended up at this verse in 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles 28, 20. What's happening in this scripture is that David is giving advice to Solomon, his son. You remember Solomon has been given the assignment of building the temple. And it just seems overwhelming. And he's filled with doubt. And he's got this enormous building project and he's feeling a little overwhelmed. So David is giving him some advice and counsel about this open door, this decision. Look at this verse. Be strong, be courageous, and get to work. Don't you love that? Quit just sitting there moaning. Just be courageous and get to work. Listen to the rest of this. Don't be frightened by the size of the task. For the Lord God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that everything is finished correctly. Hey, listen, I don't care if you get anything else out this morning. You've got to get that verse right there. That's why it's printed for you on those notes. Don't just be overwhelmed by the size of the task that he's asking of you. Know that God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He promises to be with you, and everything will be finished correctly. Woo! See, if God's in it, there's no flopping. Just have courage to walk through the right door. You know, personally, all the decisions I've made in my life, all the big decisions both in my personal life and as the pastor of this church, every major decision, you just get scared to death. <laughs> is this the right thing? But you do it anyway when you know that God is leading you. And uh, so, so that we don't let fear dominate our life. That we're not going to let fear run our lives. That we constantly move against the fears and do the things that even we fear the most. You know, fear does not respond to logic. Fear does not respond to complaining. Fear responds to action. So you take a step. You step out into the water. You step into the Jordan. You step into the Red Sea where the Lord divided the Red Sea. You take the first step, full of fear, not certain of what's going to happen. But at that moment, you are a courageous woman. You are a courageous man. Last. The third thing you're going to have to learn is to take action. Take action. You know, it is not just enough to think about what God wants us to do. We have to take action. You can... Be become a pro at open doors. You say, uh, I, don't even, I don't have many open doors for me. Well, start opening doors for others. Start being kind and open to other people. Start being hospitable to others. Be an open door in the life of other people. Something that is an act of love. If you take action, responding to the thing God is doing in your life, in doing it in others, God will open the door. 
Uh, there's a great verse in 1 Peter 4, 9. It says, open your home to others and show hospitality without grumbling about it. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received from God to serve others. Use what you have. Take action. Ask God, what could I do? Who could I invest in? What could I do with the resources, the talents, the gifts, the time that you've given to me? So how do we apply this to our church? You know, we have open doors at PFM. We have an open door. We talked about these last week. We have an open door for missions through PFN. Like what difference are we going to make in the life of missionaries? You think God might be interested in that? If God is speaking to you about that, what are you going to do? What are the actions that you need to take on the, on the bottom of the outline and then on your communication card? Same information is there. Um, what, would, what would God want you to do to support missionaries around the world? We support hundreds of missionaries uh, every year. And so throughout this coming year, we're going to be supporting missionaries. We're going to offer them uh, thousands of dollars to help with their housing, to help with their uh, children, to help with education, all those things so that they can be planted in another country somewhere and serve God, some places that we will never go. But God has planted them there, and so we have this open door of opportunity to serve them. So the difference this week is I gave you opportunity to show what would I do on a weekly basis or monthly or yearly to support missionaries. You know, we have an open door in the south side of Peoria, the south side community center, the south side church. Um, you know, when you support an open door like south side, you know what you're supporting? You're supporting uh, Irene Lewis-Wimbley and uh, Austin Smith who are working over there and being the face of that ministry there. You're supporting a dinner church, a couple different dinner churches uh, where they are feeding the soul as well as the body of the people in Southside and at over at Harrison Home and even a dream of maybe about 10 dinner churches, right? Uh, the Gospel Cafe, a place, a safe place where people can come together and be discipled. The Leadership Academy, which is our summer day camp where those, those kids have an opportunity to learn values and learn what it means to serve. Um, when you support Southside, we are launching a new church, a new church service. They've been practicing at 3 o'clock every afternoon, but on June the 1st, uh, we're going to start having church service 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon uh, at the Southside. And then that's kind of our soft launch, and then it'll be growing into that. You'll be supporting that. Moms group, single moms that are trying to help get out of Harrison home and to be able to live on their own, uh, food distribution, urban farm, I could go on and on. So I'm drilling down a little further to say what, how do we respond to the open door? Uh, how does God speak to you about that uh, financially as well as time, uh, weekly, monthly, yearly? Last week I mentioned about uh, this idea of one of 100 giving $500. That's, talk, that's them describing for us their operational cost of that. Um, we are looking at open doors. Uh, Summit Nazarene uh, with Pastor Greta, being able to attend or serve there. You know, they, what they're looking for, you know, they were running about 50 or so uh, before the pandemic. Now they're usually having about in, in the 20s. And so, so many of the things that they sort of had foundation for has kind of been almost a total reset. So just in, people that might be interested. Maybe, I'm not talking about 100 people, I'm talking about four or five people that might have an interest 
in, in uh, an open door, that is Summit Nazarene, and in Pekin First Nazarene. It's an open door, right? Your faithful giving makes such a difference here. Uh, serving and belonging. You are definitely needed. We need us together to walk through the doors that God is giving to us. So thank you. And thank you for, for serving. So what is the Spirit of God saying to you today? What open doors is God opening in your life? What PFN open doors are in front of you that God is speaking to you about? How will your life be different? by the doors that you walk through with discernment. So let's, let's bow. Lord, uh, today I am excited about this message. It's really a simple message, Lord, but something that is a, just a regular part of every day walking with you. I thank you that you have opened so many doors for me, for our church, I want to see you open doors in amazing ways in the lives of our people, our families, our brothers and sisters in this family of God. Teach us. Teach us discernment. Teach us how to open doors for others. Teach us diligence. Teach us discernment. Most of all, teach us courage to do the right thing even when we're scared. Help us to put in practice all that you are teaching us from your word. I pray your blessings on everybody that's listening today, right now in the room or online, that you would bless their bodies, their minds, their hearts, their relationships, that you would teach us, Lord, not to be afraid of the size of the task, but that we would be courageous and get to work. We pray all this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Everyone said together, amen.